Now, back to the Frontier Freedom Hour with Jeff Hunt, sponsored by Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. Here's Jeff Hunt. Howdy, friends. Great to be with you. Jeff Hunt, chief wagon boss of this operation. The show is sponsored by the Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. And, you know, it's it's hard to be a Christian conservative these days in the state of Colorado. It feels like uh, with 303 Creative, Jack Phillips, you open a coffee shop in downtown Denver, they're going to protest it. You try to have a preschool that participates in universal pre-K that Jared Polis is putting up there. You got to sue your way through that. It's, It's challenging, but Centennial Institute at CCU is fighting for America's founding principles. What we know works, faith, family, freedom. So I encourage you, go to centennial.ccu.edu. That's centennial.ccu.edu. Be a part of the work we're doing. You can sign up there to get the Centennial Review. It's our monthly speech digest. Some of the best speeches we've had here, we, we've hosted hundreds of speakers. We publish it every month. It's a little bit like in Primus. So if you go to centennial.ccu.edu, sign up for the Centennial Review. My guest today is Sean Nation, Deputy General Counsel of Mountain State's Legal Foundation. We're talking Constitution Day because this September 18th, by the way, if you add our website again, centennial.ccu.edu, you can go to events. He's going to be lecturing on Constitution Day. We celebrate the Constitution at Colorado Christian University, and that'll be Monday evening, September 18th from 6.30 to 8. All right, uh, Sean, in commercial break, you were just talking about this new case. He said, yeah, I'm working on a case with ranchers and grizzly bears. I said, that's what we love to talk here, everything West. So, Sean, give yeah, us a sense of uh, so that I'm, case. I'm not directly working on it, but Mountain State's Legal Foundation, um, you can you can look up the case at mslegal.org. Um, Ivan London, who's one of our amazing senior attorneys, is writing herd over this. And uh, essentially, it's in, in Montana. Uh, I believe in Wyoming as well, but um, the Endangered Species Act. So there's lots of issues with it, (laughs) but one of the things that they have done is defined the lower 48 grizzly bear as endangered. And you might notice that um, grizzly bears don't really respect borders. So um, there's tons of grizzlies in Canada and in Alaska, but there are fewer populations in the lower 48 states. So environmental groups have colluded, more or less, with the EPA to designate, or it might be the, um, uh, it might be the Department of Interior. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure which agency. It's so big, it's hard to keep track. Yeah, uh, to um, define these groups, as, these groups of grizzlies, as endangered in the lower 48 states. You can kind of hopefully you can hear my skepticism. Um, and what we have done is we've intervened in the case on behalf of ranchers who have grazing permits in Montana um, who need to either relocate or potentially uh, uh, exterminate problem bears. You mm. can imagine if you're grazing cattle in grizzly bear country. And the grizzly bears realize, oh, I can take out a calf real easy right here. And guess what? They do. 
bears are not dumb. Right. Uh, you know, like no predator is dumb. If they see we're, it. We're only going to go for the harder to catch meals. Yeah. yeah. Uh, compared to all Americans who will swing by McDonald's later yeah, today. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and, and so they, uh, the government passed a rule that said you can't relocate these bears. You can't. Uh, the only way you can you can address it is if they're coming after a human being, right? You can't protect your herd. Uh, so we what we ended up doing the the environmental groups were trying to get the entire uh, grazing permits canceled because they're environment environmental groups in air quotes. Uh, what we were successful in doing is we got them to vacate the rule regarding grizzly bears, but not cancel the grazing leases. So now mm. if there are problem bears, uh, the ranchers can work with the, part, the the government, generally speaking, to relocate the bears, um, which is what the ranchers wanted to do. Ranchers aren't, <laughs> aren't, necessar- aren't out there wanting to hunt grizzly bears necessarily. Right, right. They just want to protect their herds. Um, so, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's a very good result. And, good. you know, we, it's also got kind of a fun name when you talk about ranchers versus grizzly bears. So, <laughs> well, um, we, we have covered a lot of this on this show because, uh, one, we cover Western issues, which, you know, people in DC don't care at all about, nope. um, but, uh, they're unique to us and they matter. So, uh, we've, we did a whole documentary on wildfires and wolves. Um, yep. And with the reintroduction of wolves here, it's <laughs> one thing we're looking at how we can we can help protect ranchers here. Um, we we don't have a defined case yet. We're still sort of exploring it. One thing that we've learned is that wolves, when they're teaching their pups to hunt, they'll just kill calves and leave them. They'll just kill a. a uh, Interesting, really. A cow and leave it because they're teaching their pups. So they're not necessarily hunting to eat. eat. They're hunting to teach, which is a, a completely different concern. And I'm sure it's a concern that the voters here in Denver and in Boulder and whoever passed that. Well, they, they had a lot of concerns. They, they really studied the issue before they voted on that I'm one. sure they did. Um, but, um, uh, <laughs> no, so we talked with Perry Will. He was down at the state capitol, but he was a Colorado game and wildlife guy for years. And this is why people don't understand about this issue. Okay. So, yeah, we think of the one-off calf, right? Uh, the, or the sheep or something sure. that got killed by the wolf. What happens as a result of wolf introduction is where all the really good grass is tends to be right up near the forest. Yeah. So, um, and that's where wolves live. Mm-hmm. So the herds eventually learn, we're not even going to go near the good grass. I'd rather be a thin sheep than a dead sheep. Yeah. That's what goes through the sheep's mind. Sure. So it's not the one-off sheep, the one-off calf that gets killed by the wolf. The entire herd loses its weight, and you sell these animals based upon their weight. So the rancher is not losing one-offs. Their entire industry takes a hit. Their entire flock takes a hit as a result of these. And some yahoo living in Highlands Ranch who walks their little puppy who thought it'd be nice to have wolves in Colorado, hasn't thought through that at all. I mean, yeah. and there's very serious consequences to that. There's a lawmaker in Colorado who said, all right, how about we do this? For every one wolf we put in a place where the people don't want it, right, up in uh, northwest Colorado, which is essentially where they're going, let's put a wolf in every neighborhood that voted for wolves since they do want wolves. Yep. 
Do you think that got through the state capitol? Oh, absolutely not. No, it didn't. Of course, of course not. Because we're not going to put wolves where you're walking your little puppy because you love your little puppy. Yeah. And, and, I mean, look, I, I, I have some sympathy for the idea that, you know, we should have wolves here. You know, we've got – I live on Wildcat Mountain. We've got big cats. We've got huge amounts of deer that hopefully I'll get to punch a tag on sometime <laughs> soon. But, you know, I, I can understand from a, a wildlife management perspective while, why it might be useful. But at the same time, we've got to balance that against other interests. Right. And, right. I, and I just think our state did a poor job of, of doing that with yeah, this particular we did, we issue. We did ballot box biology. We let yeah. a bunch of people who don't know anything about this make decisions for a whole bunch of people that are going to now have to deal with it. The people that actually know this don't want this. And, and you know, to, t- to bring it back, you know, to kind of tie it back to the Constitution, like democracy is kind of a double-edged sword right. in some ways, <laughs> right? You've got, we want people to be engaged and to make these kind of issues. But at the same time, uh, you know, two wolves and a sheep is you <laughs> deciding know, what to have for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> is also kind of an element of that. So, you know, at the end of the day, where where I come, where I land is that the government should be as small as possible, mm-hmm. right? You know, the be able to suffocate them in a phone booth kind of idea. Grover Norquist, drowned in a bathtub. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, you know, ultimately, I think that would help us all kind of get along better. We wouldn't have these kind of – we would have much fewer – divisive hot button issues if the government weren't as involved in everyday life. And I, I and by this I'm saying government from any from from the the US Congress to the school board. Mm-hmm. You know, just as as much hands off as we could possibly get to is is ultimately where I land. I know my I, my little sister, I love her. Uh, she works for FEMA. She very much believes in a progressive government. To the rescue! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, it's like Reagan said, I'm from the government. I'm here to help. Right. You know, it's like the scariest words. Um, she and I just have different different perspectives on things. And, you know, we should exist in an area. We should live in a place where that happens. And, you know, my sister and I get along. We just don't talk about government. You know? (laughs) Kind of have to get there, yeah. Yeah. So Sean Nation's Deputy General Counsel of Mountain State's Legal Foundation, he's going to be speaking at the Centennial Institute this September 18th from 6.30 to 8 p.m. Constitution Day Lecture, How the Structure of the Constitution Preserves Liberty. Um, We're also going to offer at the Centennial Institute, if you want, uh, uh, the ability to purchase a pocket constitution just for a a small donation. And what we have done is not only with the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, we've looked at the importance of of the faith and, uh, and essentially the Bible in the formation of this nation that you really have three founding documents with this nation. You don't get America without the teachings of the Bible. And so if you want that document where you have all three together, you can get that on our website, uh, centennial.ccu.edu, and uh, be able to share that. But I do encourage you, take time to read the Constitution. If for any reason, just one day out of the year to get into the, the formation of what has helped make this country so wonderful, the setup for it, the balance of power, the idea of individual rights that come from God, not from government, okay? All of that should be celebrated and taught to the next generation because, guys, we're going to lose it. So take this Sunday, 
Constitution Day to spend some time with your family going through the Constitution. Friends, it's been real wonderful to be with you. You've been listening to the Frontier Freedom Hour, sponsored by the Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. We'll be back with you next week. Until then, God bless you and yeehaw.